0: You are listening to the Revive the World Ministries podcast. We hope this message encourages you to be all God created you to be so that you can impact the world around you with the love and power of God. For more information about us, you can visit our website at revivetheworld.org or visit us in person each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. We hope to connect with you soon. Well, uh, praise God, I'm extremely excited to share uh, the Word of God with you. Um, How many of you love your Bible? (laughs) How many of you have recognized that looking into the Bible is almost looking through a window into the next world? Looking in through a window to the reign and rule of God. If you ever wonder what God wants in any given situation, what His will is, you open up this book and you peer through the window and see his rule in, in how it should be expressed or in your life. It's, it's so important, this, this precious word of God. So I want to open the word of God with you. Hopefully you brought your Bible. We're going to turn to a bunch of scriptures. We're going to let the word of God speak to us. How many of you know that Paul told Timothy to preach his best opinions? <laughs> no, he didn't. He said, preach the word. He didn't say, hey, get up and and teach your, your personal experiences. He said, teach the word, preach, proclaim the word. It's because Paul knew that the only thing that can separate joint and marrow, thoughts and intents of the heart is the word of God, which is like a double-edged sword, and it divides and it strengthens, it equips the man of God for every good work without this word of God, we are lost. We are wandering around w- thinking that we know where we're going, but we, we actually have no clue what's going on. So we cling to the Word of God. The Word of God is a life supply. If I've recognized anything in the last I, even 10 years, I've recognized a lot of people going astray from the plain text of the Word. And because it sounds really cool... And because it has this element to it that seems to be a little spicy and supernatural and we're kind of like, woo, you know, kind of these days, the more woo it is, the more spiritual people think it is. And we get drawn like bugs to a to a foreign light and we get we don't realize that what's happening is we're moving away from the surety, the sure foundation of the scriptures themselves, which keep us and protect us. The scripture tells us in Proverbs that he who neglects the word or despises, thinks little of the word, will be indebted to it. So it's very important that the scriptures are center in our lives. Some people say to me, I want to I hear God's voice. And I asked him, when's the last time they opened the Bible? <laughs> He's like, I need to hear God open up the precious Word of God, and let the Spirit breathe the words into your being. It is life supply. So we're going to open up the scriptures and let the Word of God speak to us, okay? But I'm going to pray. Is that all right? Father, take us to the pinnacle above with you, my love, where all others fall off and our hearts become soft and our minds are solved and our wills dissolved. Praise you. Take us up, Lord, to see you as you are. Take off weights, Lord, that we've picked up along the way and free us with the liberty of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Joy unspeakable and full of glory. I pray in your precious and holy name amen turn to genesis chapter 2 i actually had a uh, an encounter in my in my personal life that kind of helped me and i'm going to use it as an opening for how we're going to go into the scriptures in genesis chapter 2 how many of you've ever had a dream of some kind, and something happened to you in the dream, and you remembered it when you woke up. How, how, how many of you had that happen, and it was significant? You're like, "Wow. Um, well, I worked for Reinhard Bunkey for many years. I don't know if you know him, but he was an uh, incredible evangelist who saw, over 70 million yes, I said, million <laughs> decision cards for Christ in 35 years in Africa. He, he's held some of the largest open-air crusades of all time. Dead raisings, uh, you know, the, the blind eyes, seeing uh, insane people coming into their right minds. It's just incredible. Daniel Kalinda, my dear friend, has taken over his ministry now. And uh, he came to me in this dream. And he said this phrase, and this is going to be the title of the message, okay? He said, if there's no joy, you're in the wrong garden, Okay, I want you to say this with me because this is the the premise of the message. Say, if there's no joy, then you're in the wrong garden. garden. (laughs) This is very important, guys, because I am finding as I travel around from church to church, that's what God has called us to do. We go and strengthen the churches all over the place. And I find that lack of joy is everywhere. Christians are pucker-faced and angry, and they're holy. You know what I mean? I'm just, I'm, ho- I'm too holy to smile. You know what I mean? it's, it's ridiculous. I remember one time this guy was going around and he was praying for people and he was like, the joy of the Lord, the joy of the Lord. He's praying for people, the joy of the Lord. I'm thinking to myself, I don't want that joy. <laughs> this guy's mad. He's mad about the joy of the Lord. It, just, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Gordon Fee wrote in his classic, the uh, The... God's empowering presence, he said, joy is the hallmark of genuine spirituality. And the scripture says that Jesus was anointed with joy above all his fellows. So though he was a man acquainted with sorrow, he he did experience the depths of sorrow. He had the sugar of joy on top of the sour sorrows, if you know what I mean. As a matter of fact, in Samuel Rutherford's letters, he says, all Christ's sour crosses are sugared with the sweetness of himself praise God yes we will go through many trials and tribulations in this world but take heart he has overcome the world and not only has he overcome the world but you can count it all joy why? because that situation that's going on in your life is working into a more complete satisfaction with Christ that's what James says he says so that you would be complete lacking nothing So in other words, God comes in and fulfills all. Every trial opens up a new door for Christ to come in and be everything to you. It's wonderful. And let me just say this. I feel this in my heart. I wasn't going to say this, but God has divinely orchestrated your life. Did you know this? The the scripture tells us, and now I'm going to go a little bit out there, but the scripture tells us that all things are his servants. Do you hear this? He's working purposes in you. He's trying to fashion you and form you into his very own image, and therefore he has sent the situation of your life to you, tailor-made for you. You are where you are because it's exactly what God has arranged for you. Even as he said to Paul, it's hard to kick against the goads. The goads were the the back of where the horse was so that his feet wouldn't go too far. And so Paul's trying to go against what God has for him, and God says to him, it's hard to kick against the goads, isn't it? In other words, my situation for your life is perfectly orchestrated to form the image of Christ in you. So you say, you say um, what do you mean practically? Open it for me really practically. Okay, the person you are married to, if you're married, was made to rub off the rough edges. You say, Eric, okay, I'm not married. Well, wherever you're working your job many times your boss many times that specific new employee that you are now working together with is sent to you just like trying to stick a uh uh, what is it a round peg in a square hole or a square peg in a round hole either way it gets the edges off so you can fit into the image of jesus you say eric this doesn't sound very pleasant no i'm trying to show you to switch your mind to see these people not as annoyances, but as doors through which you can pass into a greater image of Jesus. Your heart should thank people and situations that press against you because they, by them, you become more Christ like and able to enter into greater joys than you would have known without them. It's so important. Sometimes we just get so bent out of shape about our marriage, or, you know, and we're just like, man, I, you don't even know. You know my husband, you don't know my wife. And we get to the point where we're just so frustrated and we forget that God has orchestrated this so that you can become like him. To point things out that you would otherwise not have been able to see. Okay, I wasn't planning on saying any of that. I apologize. Turn to Genesis chapter two. I wanna show you something. Remember what the message is supposed to be about. If there's no joy, you're in the wrong garden. I promise you I won't go too long, but look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. The Lord God planted a garden toward the east. Look at this, in Eden. Do you see this? The Lord God planted a garden toward the east in Eden. First thing I want you to think about is what a garden is. A garden is a place where flourishing takes place. A garden is a place where uh, you have life shown forth, plants, living organisms growing Out of the ground. Is everybody in agreement with what a garden actually is? (laughs) So God plants a garden. And look at what it says. In Eden. I want you to say Eden. Eden. Now, this word, you can look it up yourself. Eden means delight or pleasure. Okay, so think about this. The very beginning, God creates this flourishing land called pleasure. Now, look what he does with it. Right after, he, and he placed man whom he formed in it. So in the very beginning, when mankind was first made, God puts man in the center of a flourishing garden called pleasure. This shows you something. It shows you that God, from the very beginning, desires to stick you into pleasure that flourishes. The flourishing of pleasure. And I'm going to say this, and I feel like I can say this with full conviction because I've experienced this in my own life. Listen closely. Without enjoyment, you stop progressing. If you stop enjoying the Lord, the garden doesn't produce. If there's no joy, you're in the wrong garden. The right garden is the garden of pleasure. And look at what happens in this garden of pleasure. Out of the ground, look at the Lord caused to grow. Do you hear that? The Lord caused to grow. God Himself causes the production, the growth in this realm of pleasure. So many people are trying to grow themselves, <laughs> they're trying to put efforts and strivings in. Working the ground with the sweat of their brow, returning to the, quote, curse that we've been delivered from. Trying to work and till the ground to the best of his ability in order to gain fruit. But I'm telling you right now, the moment you put your fingers to it, everything dies. The sweat of man's brow destroys the work of his glory. Because there's a reason. And the reason is he will not share his glory with anybody. So once your fingers get involved, you're testifying to God, I want some of this glory. And so he says, no, no, no. Stay in pleasure and I'll cause everything to grow. Holiness is the fruit of being addicted to the maximum pleasure of life, which is God himself. The reconciliation is the restoration of God and man finding their pleasure in one another. So the more you find Pleasure in God, the more God causes the increase and the growth, and you begin to accomplish more on accident than you ever did on purpose, because God is the one that's performing this thing. It is so important to realize this. As a matter of fact, if you look down at uh, verse fifteen, it says, "Then the Lord God took man and he put him into the Garden of Eden." So you see this again. He's reiterating that you say, "Say I was made." To live in in. pleasures of God God. where God causes me to increase. increase. Are Are you seeing this? This is your only work. But you say, look what it says next. It says, to cultivate and to keep it. You say, oh, Eric, there's work there. No, 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 no. Listen to what those words mean. Okay, so the word cultivate is also used. How many of you know you can understand what words mean by comparing their usage? in the scriptures, you always want to compare scripture with scripture to get the greatest understanding. It's better than Webster's. It's just take the scriptures and let the scriptures expound themselves. So in Exodus chapter three, verse 12, we see specifically that this word has to do with worship. When God tells Pharaoh or has Moses tell Pharaoh, I want to deliver my people so that they will be able to go three days away and worship. It's the same word that's used here for cultivate. So in other words, God puts man in the center of pleasure, and this is his goal. This is his job, to worship. (laughs) I want you to say this because you got to get it. Here's my job. job. Say it again. Say, here's my job job to worship worship. in the pleasures of God, and he will cause me to increase. You say, Eric, but then it says, it says, keep there. Well, when you look at Isaiah chapter 21, you see the same word used and it has to do with watchman or watching, or the word samar has to do with listening. It's attentiveness. So you see, here's your job. It's so simple. It's ridiculous. It's so simple. It's an affront to mankind. It's so simple, it exposes all the plans of the enemies. It, it literally sheds light on everywhere you're trying to gain or take away the glory of God. You say, Eric, I'm not trying to do that. No, it's the human propensity. It's in the human blood to try to get involved. This is why Oswald Chambers once wrote in his wonderful classic, my utmost for his highest, man is offended that God doesn't ask anything of him but to believe. <laughs> And the disciples say, what work must me do? Jesus says, believe. And they're like, whoa. They're like, wow, I want more to do. And he says, believe. Then, then, then when he's about to res- resurrect Lazarus, remember what he says? He says, didn't I tell you that if you worked really hard and fasted 40 days and beat yourself with a whip that you'd be able to see the glory of God? Remember he said that? He didn't say that. He said, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. Are you seeing this? It's an absolute abandonment to him. It's worship. It's listening. It's attentiveness. I remember Madame Guyon wrote in her wonderful classic, Short and Easy Method of Prayer. She said, there is nothing left to do but turn your most intense attention to his still small voice within. It's just attentiveness. I will listen to you. I will enjoy you. I will worship you here in the garden of pleasure, which you yourself are, and you will cause me to increase. Isn't this beautiful? You say, Eric, but how do I know anything's going to get done? That's faith in the work of the person of the Spirit. If you really believe in the gospel then it really puts you at a place where unless the Spirit does it, nothing gets done. Does that make sense? You say, does that mean I can't even make myself breakfast in the morning? i got to wait for the Holy Spirit to make my cereal for me? No, there's a divine uh, reality called animation as the old saints used to call it, animation. In other words, the spirit becomes life supply on the inside of you. He puts new desires in your heart. You've read Ezekiel 36, 26, where the new covenant is described, where he takes out the heart of stone and he puts in a heart of flesh and he causes you to walk in his ways. What a God. You're having such a hard time. Let me help you. I'm going to come do it through you. Andrew Murray says this. He says, God longs to live your life for you. That's why he sent the spirit, that if you would yield to the spirit, the spirit would then come in and give you new desires, give you a new value system. This value system is so important because it's that which conducts your decisions. It's it's the decision center. What you value determines what you do. And the spirit comes in and gives you a brand new value system. And then that is God putting his desires on the inside. I shall write my law upon their hearts, he says. He longs for you so bad to be connected with obedience and be obedient to him that he comes in to obey through you. You say, Eric, I just don't think this is true. Listen, obedience, <laughs> obedience is when a man is yielded to the extent that God can perform through the man the things he spoke to the man. This is called a spiritual life. It is the most glorious thing you could ever be involved in. It is this wonderful pleasure. So let's look at another scripture here. Turn over to Proverbs 8.30. I want to show you a connection between the work of the Spirit and delight. Remember, if there's no joy in the garden, if there's no joy, you're in the wrong garden, right? Say it again. Say, if, if there's no joy, I'm in the wrong garden. Okay. Roman, uh, sorry, Romans. Proverbs 8, verse 30. Look at this. As a matter of fact, let's just jump up to uh, tw- 29. When he set the sea its boundary, this is talking the very beginning of creation, so that the water would not transgress its command. Isn't that just amazing? Have you ever been to the beach and, re- and wondered why that water is not taking over the, the entire earth? Have you ever noticed that? It's because right here the scripture says he, lay, he laid a boundary. It's not allowed to cro- cross a certain point. That's incredible to me. It says here, uh, when he marked out the foundations of the earth. Look at this. I was beside him as master workman. I want you to say this with me. Say master, master. workman. So this is a person through whom God performs works that are perfect. Master workman, okay? But look at what, what he says here about the ma- what the master workman says. <laughs> this is incredible. I was daily his delight, rejoicing or delighting always in him. Are you seeing the connection between work and delight? In other words, when you delight in the Lord... The working of God comes in and through you. You cannot be more fruitful than delighting in God. If you lose delight in the service, the service is no longer unto the Lord. It has found another end. That other end would be the glorification of yourself, the building of your own name, uh, your own reputation, the, the administering to your own selfish desires. When you lose delight you know that it's no longer that which is the after the pattern of the way the world was even created which was the master workman delighting and rejoicing in God isn't that beautiful I really feel like these things are 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 preciously connected I want you to turn over to Isaiah uh look at Isaiah 58 I promise you I won't go too much longer but I feel these things are very special and important for all of us. I love this kind of stuff. Even though my heart desires to live this way and has desired to live this way for many years, when I hear these things again, they come alive again. How many of you have recognized that the greatest thing you need in your life is a revelation of what you already know? Okay, so I'm not alone. Okay, so it says here, verse 11, the Lord will continually guide you, satisfy Your desire in scorched places and give strength to your bones and you will be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. You seeing what the Lord will do for you? Look, jump down to verse uh, 13. He says, if dot, 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 you turn dot, dot, dot from seeking your own pleasures, Are you following me? If you turn from seeking your own pleasures, then you will delight in the Lord and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. Are you hearing this? The word that's used here for ride is make rapid progression. Okay, so this is what God will do for you if you will turn from seeking your own pleasures And delight yourself in the Lord. He will lift you above the earth and cause you to make rapid progress. Are you hearing this? Don't you want to live in the heights with God? I'm telling you the way up there is delight. Delighting in God lifts you out of the lower things that plague humanity. Those lower things that the rest of the world is burdened by and bogged down by and, and, and living in such a dark shadow of depression and lust and and greed all these things that are below you're lifted up out of them and you make rapid progression in the heights isn't that beautiful if you turn from seeking your own pleasures but this is also where he satisfies your desire and gives you strength in your bones and he waters your garden turn over to jeremiah chapter 31 Jeremiah 31, it says, uh, verse 12 at the end, he says, their life will be watered like a garden. This is those who turn to the Lord. Their life will be watered like a garden and they will never languish again. Did you hear that? You can be green in any scene of life. By delighting in the Lord. Do I need to remind you of Proverbs chapter one, where the scripture says, and his leaf does not wither. His leaf does not wither. any season. doesn't matter. Winter, spring, summer, fall. The leaf does not wither. Why? Because he delights in the Lord. Isn't this amazing? So it says here, uh, he will, you will never languish again. He said, I will turn their mourning into joy. <laughs> I will comfort them and give them joy in their sorrow. And my people will be satisfied with my goodness. You jump down to 25, and this is... Uh, Well, we'll stop with this chapter. It says, I satisfy the weary ones and refresh everyone who languishes. I want you to notice a connection between satisfaction from God and not languishing. Which shows you the inverse is true. You languish when you don't find satisfaction. You say, Eric, what is languishing? Languishing is a a good way to, to see like a, a deterioration, you're, you're, you're losing strength, you lose desire, you become, you're, you're becoming numb. How many of you have experienced this before? I've experienced languishing many times. And it's only delight in the Lord that restores you out of that. And it's only delight in the Lord that keeps you out of that languishing. You following me? This is so important, isn't it? Uh, Jesus says, he says, um, re- remember the heights from which you have fallen. Turn over to Job twenty-two, 26. We'll just do two more scriptures. Is that, is that okay and then we'll be done? Is this okay, guys? Okay, look at Job chapter 22, verse 26. Now, I asked a the theologian if I was allowed to do this with this verse. And he said, yeah, sure. He said, I probably wouldn't do it myself. He's like, but I don't think the Lord will be mad if you use it. So I said, okay, I'll do it. So this is one of Job's friends talking. And you can't really take all that Job's friends say as theology, but some of it is really good. Sometimes they nail it. Sometimes they're way off. You know what I mean? (laughs) You say, Eric, how do you know that? Well, at the end of Job, the scripture says that God was not happy with Job's friends. (laughs) Okay, so some of the things that that are said are bad. Some of them are good. So that's why I went to a theologian to ask him if I could use this. So he says this. He says in verse uh, 25, then the Almighty will be your gold. Isn't that beautiful? The Almighty will be your gold. For then you will delight in the Almighty and lift up your face to God. Man, beautiful. And you will pray to him and he will hear you and he will pay your vows. But I want you to notice this. Delight in the Almighty, lifting up your face to God. That this is the essence of where our delight comes from, turning all of our attention up to his person. How many times have you been in a very difficult situation and just a tilt of your head up to God, it's like the sun from another world shined upon you and though nothing changed from one moment to another, everything was different. How many of you have had this before? I remember working construction and being surrounded by what were like devil people (laughs) around me. (laughs) and this music is blaring with vulgar lyrics, and this guy's foaming out of his mouth because he did some weird drugs, and everybody smells like weed, and you're just digging holes, you know, it's just a terrible atmosphere, somewhere that you would think God would never be, you know, and there I am digging, and I would feel so overwhelmed sometimes, because at the end of my time there, I, I was put in charge, and they would never listen to me, so I'm like, what am I supposed to do? I gotta do everything myself, and so I'd be digging, and just working, and and I would become so overwhelmed sometimes. I wasn't making very much money. It was Florida, which means almost hell. You, on, on your way to hell, you pass through Florida. <laughs> it was so hot. We'd be like dying of, of sweat. And I remember just digging ditches. And I'd have that, that, that uh, trenching shovel in my hand. And I would literally just lift my heart up like this just for a second. And I would just do something like this.
1: I sing praises to your name. And just dig. Oh, Lord, praises to your name. Sing all
0: by myself. Oh, Lord, tears sometimes would drip down from my face onto the shovel. I can still see the wood discoloration from my tears hitting the shovel. Just lifting my heart to him in a moment and the delight that swallows up sorrow would come into my whole being and I feel as if Everything was different, though nothing at all had changed. They didn't transform into angels. The devils around me didn't transform into angels. The music didn't turn to Hillsong. You know, it didn't. Nothing changed. But everything was different. It seemed as if those things that were so heavy upon me became completely irrelevant. How many of you have ever had this before where you're praying about something and it's so heavy on you? And the more you look at the Lord and the more you begin to worship and the more, your heart is taken with Jesus, the more you feel like you forgot what you even came in there to pray about. 90% of our prayers vanish in his presence. Isn't that true? Because you find out when you touch him that he's the only thing you ever really wanted in the first place. You just forgot. (laughs) Do do you know what I mean? This is just the wonder of his presence. He frees you. This is important. He frees you from the need to have anything else. That right there is what holiness is. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's the definition of holiness. Not gripping a cross and gritting our teeth and doing our best to obey black and white. It is the Lord himself in your midst with his presence freeing you from the need to have anything else. And you are liberated and you're able to walk in a new nature, walk out a new nature that comes from subjectivity to and the enjoyment of God's presence. Okay, another scripture here. Uh, Psalm 37. Everybody knew I was going to go here. Psalm 37, verse 4. The scripture says, Delight yourself in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. This is how beautiful the work is that delighting in the Lord does. It cleans your motives and intentions so that God can give you the things you desire because he purified your heart through delight. It was St. Augustine who said, love God and do what you want. Now, it's very dangerous to say to some people, who try to manipulate and sidestep things. But if you really love God, he purifies your desires and you say, oh my love, whatever you wish, that's what I want. I remember in the book of uh, the Valley of Vision, one of the Puritans said, whatever decision you give to me, I turn it back over to thee. (laughs) If even the Lord says, do whatever you want here, and you say, oh Lord, you you make the decision. Whatever you want, Lord, whatever you want, that's what I want. You know, two lovers that are in love, where do you want to eat? Wherever you want. No, wherever you want. No, wherever you. It's just the loss of desires in one another. This the delightful joy to give to the other whatever it is that they want. Anybody who ever had kids, you you're not you're not on Christmas morning. You're not like you know, I wish we wouldn't have got that toy. You know what I mean? You're like you're so happy to see the children open up the presents and, and receive. You know this feeling. It's there's nothing really like it to be able to give the desire to someone. I remember somebody described hunger for God like this. Because some people say that you know, hunger for God is like God you know, like throws you a bone. And then you get a little closer and he throws you another bone. And it's like you're, you're, you're in misery. You're like, oh God, please throw me a bone. And the Lord just kind of lets you hunger until you want him enough. And then he gives you another bone. And then it's just enough. But you know what I mean? This kind of understanding. Some of us think like this in religion. But let me tell you what hunger for God looks like. It looks like a child who opens a present and loves it so much he can't see what's in the next box. That's the real hunger. Lord, you've given me this. What else could there be? I'm going to take, you're so hungry for the next present. Are you following me? That's the essence of delighting in God, present upon present upon present. When you open up those presents, you realize it's just his presence. Again and again and again. How many times has God led you to to the end of the road and you realize at the end of it, The great goal was just him. He's like, I want to show you something so amazing. Come with me up the mountain. You climb up the mountain, you get to the top, and you're like, where is it, Lord? And then he just goes, it's me. (laughs) He doesn't, I'm your prize. And you're like, I'm happy with that, Lord. Praise God. Can we do one last scripture? I promise it's the last one, and and then we'll be done. It's Psalm 30, verse 8. and we'll be done, okay? I hope this was good for you, I hope it was food for you. I think that's the right scripture. Let me just see. 30 verse 11, probably. Okay. So it says here, you have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and girded me with gladness. Do you understand what that means, girded? It means he surrounds you with joy. Listen, the joy that the Lord gives to you is not on one side of you. It is all around you. You say, but what is the significance of that? You have many things surrounding your life, many circumstances, many situations that you're involved in. You have this relationship with this person. You have your relationship with your spouse. You have your relationship with people in your church. You have, you're surrounded by relationships and scenarios and situations in your entire life. And God is saying that he desires to put joy in every one of the circumstances and situations. To literally cause you to be able to go through whatever it is in any situation, lifted up above the world and progressing rapidly in the heights as you delight yourself in him. And you're able to sing praises to the Lord in the midst of all of it. So let's just do this. Let's just close out with a prayer. Just put your hand on your heart. And just say this with me. Say, just take a deep breath first because you can just relax and mean what you're saying. (sighs) Just say this, say, Jesus, I realize that if there is no joy, I'm in the wrong garden. So I receive the Garden of Eden, where you intended to place me. Surround me with your joy. Bring me into greater delight by lifting my face up to you, that you might lift me above the earth and cause me to rapidly progress in the heights with you and flourish flourish. my garden garden. with the wonder of delight.
1: delight. I worship you.
0: Purify my heart heart.
1: As as I delight in you. In your precious name.
0: Just right here. Just sing this with me.
1: I sing praises to your name. Oh, Lord. Sing praises to your name. Oh, Lord. For your name. For your name is great. And greatly to be praised, I sing praises to your name. Oh, Lord, sing praises to your name, oh, Lord, for your name is great. And greatly to be praised. Sing it again. I sing praises to your name, Oh, Lord, praises. to your name oh lord for your name is great and great You're all.